Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Commas Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. It is a new season of Commas Over Cold Brew. I'm so excited to get this next season started. We're starting off with a lovely episode from Charlotte Perdue. She is a marathon runner from Great Britain, and she's running the marathon at the World Championships in Eugene later this month, which is really exciting. She's run at 2.23. That is insane. I cannot imagine running a marathon that fast. She's had a really, really long running career, and today's episode was awesome just getting to know her better. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Okay, Charlotte, I'm excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome to the show. Um, To start off, do you want to give us a little rundown of who you are and what you're about? Yes, so my name is Charlotte Perdue and I am a marathon runner for Great Britain. Um, Yeah, I run for Adidas and that's probably about it. I do a bit of coaching as well, Um, Perdue performance. Uh, Yeah, that's me. (laughs) Yes, I think you're the first person from Great Britain that I've had on the podcast there hasn't been that many international people like I had my teammate Jess Hole and she's Australian I'm trying to think of anyone else like that is foreign that's been on I don't know Lucy Bartholomew was on she's Australian oh yeah cool okay so so I only had Australians (laughs) and Americans on so excited to get a little taste of the UK on here (laughs) thanks are you living with Eric in Flagstaff right now okay Eric's been on yeah. the podcast too. <laughs> I haven't listened to that one. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it. Yeah, that one was like it was a long time ago. It was like 2020. But how's Eric as a roommate? Is he <laughs> is he good? Yeah, no, he's great. He's uh, been showing me all the trails in Flagstaff and uh, yeah, taking me around everywhere, showing me the best coffee places. Literally, just like little tour guide. So it's been good to have him um, here to show us around. <laughs> Um, have you been to Flagstaff before or is this your first time? No, this is my first time. So I was like, I'm here with my boyfriend, Adam. Um, he's friends with Eric as well. So uh, we didn't have a clue like where to run or anything. So um, just been exploring. But yeah, it's really good up here, actually. I, I can't believe I hadn't been here sooner because um, I've been like running for so long and I've been to so many places, but I'd never been to Flagstaff. And so this time around, I was like, oh, it's perfect to come here before the world champs. And yeah, I'm finally glad I got to check it out. Yeah. What do you think of it? Everyone lives there now. Like so many pro runners live there. So I'm sure you've seen a lot of people, but what's your, what's your initial feel for flag? 
yeah honestly I, I really like it I think I can't imagine what it'd be like in the winter because I heard it gets pretty cold um <laughs> so I don't know if I'd like it as much then but yeah in the summer like so good um just so good for training and like so many places to run um and I actually haven't bumped into that many people surprisingly like because there are so many places to run um I think like everyone goes at different times and everyone's on a different schedule so honestly haven't really bumped into that many people at all um which is <laughs> really crazy yeah honestly that's kind of surprising I think people are like traveling right now though because like I mean track season especially is obviously in full force or I guess now it might be over for some people but so maybe people are just gone but I feel like I don't know it's always popping in flag at least in like the summer the fall for sure people are yeah I heard like I heard um on one of the trails there's like 50 cars that can be parked up at the side of the road in the winter like all runners just getting ready to do the same loop because um Eric said that this one loop was like the only one that was plowed in the winter or something so everyone goes there but honestly in the summer like it's because there's so many places I haven't really seen anyone (laughs) yeah geez so you you chose Flagstaff were you gonna come to the states before uh the world championships anyways and you were just like all right flag sounds good or what I guess what brought yeah. you here early? Like I wanted to come here before um, Boston Marathon um, because I did New York half. So I said to my coach, could I come here before Boston? And he kind of said um, no, because there was only like a three week gap in between um, New York half and Boston. And he thought it was not enough time. And because it's obviously quite high altitude, he was like, oh, you know, I'm not, I don't go to altitude all the time. So he didn't really want me to risk going. Um, and obviously it's on the other side of the country to Boston as well so he wanted me to stay on the same time zone as Boston so I didn't get to come then and then yeah when I was selected for the world champs I was like oh I could come before the world champs and yeah it worked out perfectly because I ran the New York mini 10k um, on the 11th of June and then I had like a five-week gap in between so I didn't want to go home and then come back over so I thought this is the perfect time to go to Flagstaff so yeah finally got to come here. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely a good enough time, too, to, like, get some benefit for altitude from altitude. Do you notice, yeah. like, a difference in your training at all? Yeah, honestly, I feel like I've been here forever already. Um, but <laughs> Wait, how long have you been there for now? Since the 12th of June. So, yeah, almost, like, a month already, and I've still got, like, two weeks left because um, I'm going straight to Eugene from here. So, yeah, the first week I was just, like, tired every day from – the altitude and stuff but I did find that I adapted pretty quick I just Eric was telling me like make sure all your runs are really slow and uh, I'm not used to running like I run pretty fast on my runs so he was like just telling me every day like make sure you run slow I was like okay I'm gonna run slow (laughs) um so I think I did adapt pretty good um yeah I feel I've been doing all my workouts down at Camp Verde um because my coach wanted me to get like a bit more quality and then he wanted me to do all my easy running up here. So I have been driving down for the workouts. So I guess it's a little bit easier down there. But it has been like super hot down there. Um, like this morning we went down, it was like, what, 36 degrees. I don't know. I think it was like 90. Oh, or ew. Something. Ew. Yeah, it was, and that was, at, um, we started the workout at 8am as well. So uh, we've been going down there, but getting, yeah, literally fried by the sun. Um, but yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> Hey, I mean, I guess that's getting you ready for Eugene. Eugene in the summer is scorching. Have you been to Eugene before? No, I've never been there. And I have heard that it's really hot. The only thing is like the marathon starts 6am. So I'm hoping like 
it will be yeah I know <laughs> so early <laughs> so I think like all the early mornings going down to Camp Verde has been actually like preparing me well for um getting up because yeah all the same time zone so I've been getting up early anyway going down to Camp Verde and training at like seven or eight so um 6 a.m starting Eugene should be all right <laughs> I can't imagine I can't imagine starting a race at six in the morning especially a marathon too like I know what time do you have to get up for that oh probably like two <laughs> How do you I don't prepare know. for that? I feel like you can't. Like it's like you can't mimic that in training. You're not gonna just start getting up at two a.m. No, I think I'll just, I'll just, yeah, I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> I I'll just wing it. Like, yeah, just wing it on the day. I mean, I'm not gonna get up at two, like you said, in practice. Um, but yeah, I think it will be fine. Just like a, a one-off, really. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, everyone will be in the same boat. So I guess everyone's coming from different time zones. That's so interesting. I mean, I wonder how they pick it because everyone is coming from different time zones. Yeah, true. I, I think like it's good though because obviously if it is hot then um yeah, I'll just be annoyed if it's like a cold day. Yeah. Yeah, um, you will be grateful that it's not like the ninety-five. Like at the trials last summer, I wasn't there, but I just heard through the grapevine that it was absolutely scorching hot. So six AM doesn't sound too bad. And I feel yeah. like the course will probably be good too. Like I mean, I went to school in Eugene and I'm just, I feel like it'll be flat. I don't know what yeah. hills are. I've seen like a video of the course and it's, um, it's like 14K loops. So three, three, 14K. I don't know how many miles it is, but three, 14K loops. And it's, yeah, it looks pretty flat. There's like a little bit of a rise around, um, halfway point of the loop, but it's not like, I wouldn't say it was hilly. There's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> loops though. Oh, do you like loops? Yeah, I actually do. Um, okay. I can't. Yeah, I kind of do like that. I'm a bit weird though. Uh, I don't know. I think it's good. You can just break up the race a bit easier, especially for the, the marathon. I think like when I did the World Champs in 2017 in London, it was like four 10K loops. And that was, I thought I was going to hate it, but I actually really liked that. So I think I'll, I think I'll like it. It'll just be like three big repeats. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. In a row with yeah. no rest. At least I'll know the course by the end. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You won't get lost, so. <laughs> um okay well I want to take it way back to like how you got into running because we've talked a lot of, like obviously you're running at the world championships but I want to talk about your start because I was doing a little research on you it seems like you've been running for a very long time especially at like a really high level so I'm curious how you got your start into running and just kind of like take us through the journey okay yeah I've been running forever I feel like so old <laughs> um I started running when I was uh like 12 and I was at school um and I just did the like school cross country race. And then um, they took the top six in my year group to um, a competition against other schools. And I think I finished sixth in my year year group. So I got to go to that, but I hadn't run before at all. Like I literally just did it for fun. Um, and then when I was at this uh, cross country meet, um, a coach came over to me and was like, do you run for a running club? And I was like, no. And he was like, oh, I think you could be a good runner. Come down to my training group. And so I did. And then I literally just enjoyed it. Um, it was more like social. It was just like fun hanging out with my friends. And I enjoyed like going to the races and the competitions every weekend. It was like a different competition. So I was like, oh, this is fun. And then um, I saw like when I did more training that I was just getting better and better. Um, and then I kind of got addicted to that. I was like, oh, training makes me a better runner. And then I was seeing getting better results. And I was like, this is cool. And then... <laughs> 
Yeah, when I was about 15, I ran for Great Britain for the first time in the World Cross country. Um, and I was 15th there. So I guess that was like my breakthrough. Was that, wait, were you in the juniors race or was it the seniors race? Yeah, no, junior race. And I think it was 2007. It was in Kenya and it was really hot. They started the junior women's race at like 1.30 in the afternoon. And we all like melted and uh, it was only 6K, but everyone was like on IV drips at the end because everyone was just, it was so hot. Um, so yeah, that was like my first run for Great Britain, um, which was fun. And then, yeah, just from there really, I like, I guess it's different in the UK to the US um, in terms of like uh, sponsorship and stuff. So when I, I signed with Nike when I was 16, um, but I was still like at school <laughs> yeah um so that was pretty cool um and I was like racing and obviously I was at school at the same time and then I did go to university but um I was like studying and like competing as well um so that was cool uh and yeah then I basically just took it from there really like um kept running I have I have had like a few injuries I say a few like probably <laughs> a lot of injuries um like 10 bone stress injuries in my career um so quite a lot but then obviously I have been running for over 15 years um so yeah it but still a lot of injuries in there as well um so a lot of ups and downs <laughs> yeah I want to talk a little bit more about you getting sponsored as 16 years old <laughs> that is crazy to me like how does that how does that even come about like you were obviously very good so then Nike approaches you or like an agent approaches you because then like at that point I don't know if you were considering like I don't know I don't know how any of that works because like people don't do that in the U.S. so I guess kind of take us through that process. Yeah so um, in my training group at the time um, I'm with a different coach now but my first coach he um, there, there was like a really good group of girls that um, I trained with and two of them were already uh, three years older than me and they were already sponsored by Nike um so like the Nike um rep at the time in the UK obviously knew the girls that I was training with and he could see like my results and I was making the junior teams and then I actually ran for um England in the Commonwealth Games when I was 19 so I was still like a junior but I was running in the seniors um but before that he was seeing I guess he probably saw like some potential and thought like I was going to go on the same pathway as the other girls um so yeah he just I was like one of the youngest people that they signed and it was only like a really small contract but it was still like a contract and it was pretty cool my parents had to sign it as well because I was like so young I couldn't sign it like just by myself because I was under 18 um so yeah that was quite cool and I was just loving like all the free kit and I thought like <laughs> I thought it was amazing I literally um, I cannot imagine like being 16 and then just getting sent so much free stuff like on top of money like money yes but then, like, like you said, you your parents had to sign for, like, the contract and everything. So I feel like a lot of, I don't know, around that age, you probably don't see a lot of the money. But getting the packages and free gear that you get to wear every day, I can't even yeah. imagine how that feels. <laughs> it, honestly, like, the money wasn't really very much at all. It was more just, yeah, I got to be sponsored by Nike, which was, like, oh, free shoes. And it was really cool. And I had, like, a lot of, um, like, race bonuses uh, at the time so every time I go to a race it was like more incentive obviously to run well because get like some bonus on my contract and that was fun and then yeah as I got older I uh, like I've designed a better contract as I got older and it was more like professional um based but yeah that's how it really started um with that 
So did you feel like you had a lot of pressure on you then because like money was involved at such a young age to continue over the years or how was kind of that experience, I guess? I feel like that would make you grow up kind of fast. Yeah, I mean, I was always like looking ahead because the girls that I trained with, they were um, they were obviously racing as seniors. So I was training with them and I was always trying to like be with them in training. So I was seeing what they were doing and I was kind of like already seeing myself as three years older than I was so but I honestly didn't feel like pressure with in regards to money or anything because like I said I was still like studying I still lived at home so it wasn't like I was paying rent or anything I didn't need the money I was just um it was just like kind of cool to get like the free clothes so that wasn't like pressure at all and I just really enjoyed it um yeah it's more just of I just wanted to do the best I could and try and be better um yeah yeah. And it's, I feel like it, it's also the people that you surround yourself with. So if you have people that are older than you that are like leading the way, I feel like that would help a lot too. Rather than I like yeah. see people like really good high school runners now getting, well, in the States, you know, getting sponsored and it would just be crazy to be like that and not have anyone to kind of like guide you or like teammates. I don't know. It's probably just different. I mean, I have no perspective on what UK athletics even looks like. So <laughs> Yeah, it's different. It's um because obviously I can go to any university that I want and it's not based on um like running. So I went to the university that I went to because my coach, my first coach worked there. But I did like a history degree, so it wasn't anything to do with sport and I wasn't on like a scholarship or anything. I was still like paying for university separate. So it wasn't that wasn't pressure at all. That was just something else I was doing as well um and then yeah so it is it is a lot different in the UK to over in the US I think so do people just club run then throughout you know yeah. most of the time pretty much and yeah so I was still running for my club as well as um but obviously when I went to the big competitions I was running for Nike but um I represented my university as well um and then I'd represent my club sometimes as well so yeah oh, it's a lot, yeah <laughs> it is a lot different so why why do people like from the UK come to the NCAA like what is the draw I guess for someone from Great Britain to you know go to university in the states I think um it's good well one for experience to like go obviously to a different country and obviously the facilities in the uh, UK and the US are a lot different like there aren't there's probably like three schools in the UK that have even like half the facilities that are in the US so yeah like honestly when I come over here and I see like how many tracks there are like there's three tracks in Flagstaff like in my hometown I have to drive like 20 miles to a track and then there's like yeah there's hardly any <laughs> so the facilities are like way better in the US than the support and obviously not everyone's getting sponsored um, by Nike or whatever so if you're like up and coming and you want like a little I don't know like all your everything paid for and all your support then going to the US is a really good option I think um yeah that's interesting that makes me feel like <laughs> I just feel like we're lazy sometimes like we really have no excuses <laughs> including me I'm like oh man the track is like the one the one that I want to go to is five minutes away it's closed but there's like another one literally like 10 minutes away I'm like it's too far so yeah wow it is crazy like the yeah the difference in the um facilities like the other day I was at NAU at the gym and I was like this is just mad like my university gym I used to think was good and like I went into the NAU gym and it's just like massive 
and then it's just you can't really compare and they've got an indoor track and an outdoor track like there was no indoor track like I had to if I I wouldn't have obviously done indoors I didn't do it ever but the closest indoor track to my house is yeah probably like 40 miles away so it's uh crazy honestly the entire NCAA is crazy though because then you transition to like pro running in the states and then all of that goes away most of the time unless you like have a personal connection with the team like you can't train on their track or anything. So then these pro runners are left with like no resources anymore. So it's just crazy. Like that's, I guess that's the difference. Like, I don't know. The NCAA does provide so many good like facilities and stuff, but then a lot of the time the pro runners can't even use them, which is backwards. The opportunities that you get as, yeah, like going to school, you get obviously a degree at the end of it. And also this whole experience of getting, basically being a professional athlete when you're at school is like, probably only five people in the UK in the age group that I was in were, were getting what I was getting and then if you go to the US probably like 30 athletes could get that so it's like a no-brainer for UK-based athletes to go to the US really. Yeah that's really interesting I haven't really talked with even like my teammates that were from different countries like I didn't really I guess ask them like why they went to the states and I'm sure it's different for every country but it probably like is all kind of like that, just the opportunities, which are insane. So brief little intermission here to talk about one of my favorite sponsors of the podcast, Green Chef. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle. So whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or you're just looking to eat more balanced meals like me, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your diet or preferences. When I tell you that these Green Chef meals are some of the best meals I make in my house, that is a fact. I most recently made this incredible spicy chicken and veggie stir fry. It was from the Balanced Meal Kit and it was so good. The chicken was so juicy and it just had such a good variety of vegetables and the sauces are also amazing. Also now you can choose from all 24 recipes weekly so you have the option to mix and match meals from different preferences. So if you want to make a vegan meal one day you can and a paleo meal the next. It's super easy to do. They're also the most sustainable meal kit because they are the only meal kit that is both carbon and plastic offset. They offset 100% of their carbon footprint as well as 100% of the plastic in every box. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well with thinners that work for you and not the other way around and you guys should totally check it out. Go to greenchef.com slash coldbrew135 and use code coldbrew135 to get $135 off across five boxes plus free shipping on your first box. That is greenchef.com slash coldbrew135 and use code coldbrew135 to get $135 off across five boxes, plus free shipping on your first box. Now let's get back into today's episode. I'm curious though, because like, so you were pretty good, obviously, from a young age. How, did you ever have periods of time where you felt like you were getting worse almost? Or like, because I know for me, I was like pretty good at a young age too when I was like 13 and then I had kind of like a lull period when I was like going through puberty and stuff and I grew a ton I'm curious if you like dealt with any issues or injuries you know through that like puberty period I guess yeah so I definitely had like a lot of injuries (laughs) um like with my first coach we we would do like quite a lot of volume um and I didn't really know any different. I just, um, cause he was my first coach. And obviously, like I said, I was training with people older than me. So I was always wanting to do more and like what they were doing. So when I was 15, I was running like 95 miles a week. And I, <laughs> 95 miles yeah. at 15 years old. I was literally yeah. running 45. I can't. 
50 more yeah <gasps> yeah so I was running like a lot and uh I was running like before school three times a week like double running three times a week and training in the evening we do our workouts in the evening um so the training was a lot and I picked up like a lot of bone stress injuries I think as I was growing um yeah so I had like t- 2013 I was out for a whole year with two bone like quite bad bone fractures that was a bad year but before that I had I can't even remember like probably about five bone stress or bone fractures um like in different areas of my body just and they would obviously keep me out for like 12 weeks and then I'd always come back and be like oh just carry on training and then doing the same thing and it was like a a cycle um and now looking back I can obviously see like why I was getting so many injuries but at the time like my parents don't run so um like they didn't know any different I didn't know any different I was seeing like when I was racing I was getting really good results like winning European cross-country champs as a junior so I was like oh this is great but then after that I would get yeah like a bone stress injury and miss like eight weeks or 12 weeks and then come back and do another good thing so it was kind of like this cycle that I was in but uh, I don't really regret it because (laughs) I look back and I think like at the time if I hadn't have come through it and be a good senior athlete now then I would probably think oh I shouldn't have done that but I think like it's just part of what I did and it's part of like my running journey it's obviously I wouldn't recommend it to (laughs) young athletes don't take the same path as me but I mean yeah I feel like that would make you a very mentally tough person yeah of course yeah I I did like so much cross training in my in my career so now like if I have to have a week or two off cross training I'm like oh it's nothing <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh week seven days easy slight work exactly but I feel like it's I'm just I feel like a much more like sensible senior athlete because I've had like I've just had everything basically so I'm like well anything you throw at me now like it can't yeah nothing can throw me off now because I'm like I, ready for anything <laughs> I honestly feel like that's good like like you said I mean obviously don't take the same path but a lot of the time if people don't kind of struggle in their beginning phase of running they have a really hard time when they do get injured later in their running career because a lot of people I've seen don't know how to cross train which makes it really difficult like to maintain fitness if you're not able to swim correctly or like do a bike workout correctly so that and just like mentally being able to handle taking weeks off when you know that you need it I feel like is so important so I mean yeah you probably are just unfazed by anything that happened to you but what I guess what events were you training for like when you were younger obviously not the marathon but yeah no I was doing like more cross country and stuff um like I always wanted to do longer distance so yeah when I was 19 I ran my first 10k on the track and that was like quite young to run a 10k on the track and that was when I qualified for the Commonwealth Games and ran as a senior, but I was still a junior. Um, so I was always like looking for the next, like when I could do the 10K, I was like, hey, I want to run a 10K. I always wanted to do like the Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're one of those crazy people. You're literally one of those crazy people that's like, give me more. I was literally, yeah, honestly, I still am like that. <laughs> um, next up ultras for you. I don't know about that though (laughs) but yeah I feel like I was always training I always knew that like the marathon would probably be my event um I was just waiting for a time to move up and I switched coaches in 2014 um so now I'm coached by Nick Bado um and I'm part of like Melbourne Track Club so that's pretty cool he looks at my training as a junior um when I 
first moved over to him and he was like at the time I think I'd have like six bone stress injuries he was like how have you not had 15 bone stress injuries <laughs> he was like your training is crazy like so we re- really like dialed things back I would say um and yeah it took me probably like two years under him to get a consistent like good result um because obviously the training was so different I was running like yeah just a lot different to how I was before so um when I was with him I moved up to the marathon when I was 24 um so I was with him for yeah two years before I did my first marathon and that was in 2016 yeah. Oh my gosh, 24 is still really young to do a marathon. Ah, geez. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Like, obviously, your progression definitely caters to the marathon, like running 95 miles at 15 years old. That's you wouldn't catch me doing that ever in my entire life. But, um, how did you like push through those times of being injured so often? Because, you know, on my sixth stress factor, I feel like I'd be like, oh my goodness, what am I doing wrong? Or like, Am I even able to handle this? Yeah, I mean, it sounds bad, but like I know other athletes have like Achilles issues, for example, and it's like ongoing Achilles issues. Like touching wood, I don't have any other injuries except for like bone stress injuries. So although it's bad, like I get a bone stress injury and it's like six or 12 weeks off, it's not like when I was a junior obviously I knew the reason for them um and I have had some as a senior but not as not as many and it's been like more bone stress I haven't had any fractures touching wood um (laughs) so I think I think like I know the reason for all the ones as a junior because I was obviously growing and running 95 miles a week and pushing my body really hard as I was doing that so that obviously wasn't ideal but at the time like I said I was just I just loved I still do I love training and love running so it was like every time I got an injury it was just I was just thinking oh when I come back I want to do this and then I would always cross train hard and then come back and yeah have like a target in my mind that I would try and get back for so yeah I just always have like things that I want to achieve still so just always had a reason to keep coming back (laughs) yeah I mean that's like when I ask that question to people that have been injured frequently they it all comes down to like loving the sport and it doesn't even have anything to do with like times necessarily a lot of the time it's just a passion for the sport so it sounds like it's kind of like what you're saying and sometimes honestly the bone injuries okay I don't know this is like a hot take they're not better necessarily than something like an Achilles issue but bone injuries like you get diagnosed with a stress reaction um and then you have to like you have a set thing that you have to do is like wait six weeks or like wait eight weeks to start running again rather than like an Achilles issue or something like that can take so much longer to heal. Like you don't have like a set, I guess, necessary set of like weeks that you need to follow. I don't know. It's like more straightforward recovery process from a bone injury. So in that sense, I think it makes it, (laughs) I don't think better is the right word, but it makes it. I honestly, I I have this conversation with people all the time. And when I'm like telling, when I'm trying to explain that exactly what you just said, I sound like a nutter because I'm like, yeah, oh, it's sounds sounds just, it sounds terrible. But honestly, in my mind, I'm like, I'm trying to convince myself that it is better because like you said, you get, <laughs> you find out that you have to have like eight weeks off and you're like, okay, after eight weeks, the bone will probably be healed, which it, which it is. And then you can just slowly start back. Um, it's obviously just not ideal when you're getting so many because um, then something's like wrong. Um, and as a junior that's what was happening I was just in this cycle of like bone stress injury come back bone stress injury because I was 
kept doing the same thing over and over that was getting me injured um, but I obviously didn't realize that what I was doing was too much um, as a junior so yeah <laughs> so what was like the breaking point like what was the point where you're like okay something's wrong here like I need to change something it, I think it was like in 2013 I got um, like a double stress fracture in my sacrum like one on either side and it was like 80 percent through the bone Ow, um, ow, ow, ow. it was so painful I, was, walk. I, I couldn't walk so I was on I couldn't cross train and I was on crutches and um I I went on holiday actually to visit my friend in in Texas um so I, I spent like three weeks in the U.S. just uh on holiday like visiting her she moved over um and that was really cool because just took my mind off like running and everything and then when I got back to the UK I yeah was still wasn't able to cross train or anything but I pretty much took a whole year off in 2013 um because of that and then yeah switched coaches in 2014 because I just needed like a fresh a fresh start and like yeah I just needed something had to change by that point because it was just like yeah I just needed to change something really were you nervous for a coaching change because like that's huge I mean if you go like because had you been with the same coach for a long time since like your youth yeah literally since I started running I was with that that same coach he was the guy that got me into running so obviously like I'm really thankful to him even now because I wouldn't run if it wasn't for him so I do look back and think I got good results I wouldn't have started running if it wasn't for him but like I said I needed to change something so it was yeah I was nervous to change and I did explore like a few options at the time I didn't know who I wanted to be coached by and um stuff and I actually met Nick at the Commonwealth Games in 2010 because he um he coached uh, one of the Australian runners, um, Eloise, who was in my 10K race, and we became friends. Um, and then, yeah, just I reached out to him because his group come over to the UK every year and they base themselves um, pretty close to where I live uh, in the UK. So I'd see the group training all the time. Um, and he actually had two British runners at the time as well um, who was, he was coaching. So I knew like he didn't just coach Australian runners. So I thought, oh, I'll just email him and see if he would, yeah, coach me. And yeah, he was he was up for it. So <laughs> been with him ever since. Yeah, I mean, it seems to have worked out well so far. So for you said for so two far. years before, like you until you ran a marathon that you were with him. Yeah. So what were you doing for the two years? You were just like completely train changing your training and everything. Yeah, literally, like, it was so different at the start. I was thinking, like, how am I ever going to get fit off this training? Because I remember thinking you know, I wasn't doing enough or, like, the runs were too easy and the workouts were too easy. I was like, oh, that's just so easy. <laughs> um, and he was just telling me, like, this is what I need to do. And I just had to trust him, basically. So, yeah, we did kind of, like, 10K training for two years. Um, and then he said to me, like, I can run the 10K if I want, but his words to me were like you're never going to be quick enough over the last k to compete in the world like on the world level that's like a brutal thing to hear from a coach geez yeah he he was pretty upfront about it he was like he was like you could be a good 10k runner but I don't think you could be like up there and he said if you do the marathon I think you could be like better so he said I think we should train for a marathon um so yeah I just decided I obviously wanted to do the marathon eventually and I just thought well might as well do it now so just oh uh, decided to move up to the marathon so yeah it was fun <laughs> did you feel ready or was that kind of like a shock conversation uh no I felt ready I think I wanted to do it it was the training like the first time I did marathon training I was just like tired the whole time like it was so hard I 
I look back now to some of the stuff I was doing and I was like just it was fatiguing like everything was so hard whereas <laughs> now I can do the same and not get as tired because I've done it so many times but that first marathon block was like yeah and I even remember like after my first marathon I think back now to the shoes that I ran in and I'm like how did I run in those shoes because obviously now we've got the super shoes I'm like people who run their first marathon now with the super shoes like will never understand what it felt like to run their first marathon with like normal flats <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh like, ow all I can imagine yeah. like just the, the carnage of your feet after I feel like I don't think I could walk for like a week after like I went on holiday with my dad after my first marathon to Rome and we were like my dad wanted to do a bunch of sightseeing in Rome and I just oh, couldn't walk after do anything it was terrible I was like dad this is we have to go on like the bus tours so we were like just going on bus tours everywhere because I couldn't walk why would but, you take a, like a sightseeing trip after racing a marathon <laughs> I feel like you that's when you need to go to like tropical beach vibes I don't know we just I I just wanted to go to Rome so I was like I, I thought it was a good idea at the time but yeah I wouldn't recommend it straight <laughs> after a marathon <laughs> So how was like the training different? Like what was the biggest shock, I guess, going from the 10K training to the marathon? Um, Just everything like longer and slower. But honestly, like the intensity was so much lower that I feel like I was not getting injured as much because before that I was obviously trying to run the 10K and the 5K and I was getting injured all the time. And I think the intensity was too high just overall in the week. Like I was doing three workouts a week and they were all like eight or 10K volume. And they were just like, a lot and then the runs I was doing were pretty fast as well so it was just way too much whereas when I moved to the marathon I did like two workouts a week but they were like they felt slow because they were just at marathon pace so at the time he was telling me like it was more time on the feet kind of so the long run was he was setting me like two and a half hours but he didn't set a pace it was just like run for two and a half hours so he didn't care if I ran eight minute pace or if I ran six minute pace um I just had to run for two and a half hours so I think that kind of training was I was more suited to it because I wasn't getting it I wasn't getting injured I was able to do it and I just liked doing it as well so it's, it's so crazy to think about how a switch like that can be beneficial like where running volume makes you less injured like it's I just can feel it for me like it would be the complete opposite like if I feel like if I ran if I just you know I mean I'm, I'm not even training right now but back in my heyday if I tried to run like 95 miles a week I would literally perish and I think I would get a stress factor like the first week I ran that I mean well I would have to build up to it but I, it's just interesting to see how like people's bodies adapt differently to different training so yeah it probably felt so good. <laughs> I also think like even now I look look at other athletes that I used to train with and with my first coach like we were all doing the same training but I don't think that I should have been doing maybe the same training as some of my training partners because it wasn't suited to me so with Nick it's a lot more individual like he has a big group of runners but we all do different training um like we're not all on the same schedule and I think that's just that works so much better for me to be like individual so now I know like I can't do the same training as someone else I'm just completely different and even when I train with people in workouts like everyone has different strengths so I think that's another thing about the NCA, which I do think is like not a good thing, is the team aspect. Like it's good to obviously run as a team, but I would have personally hated it because <laughs> you have to do you have to do everything together. And like once if I don't want to run at eight minute pace on one day, like once if I want want to run at six minute pace, or once if I want to run at nine minute pace, like it's I don't know like every day it's just 
yeah you'd have to do the, the team thing and I honestly don't think I could do that <laughs> well but, I mean you could have a team where people do their own thing which you know that happens sometimes on our team like but then there's obviously drama that goes along with it because you have someone that's like I want to run six minute pace on this run and you're like I absolutely don't want to do that and then there'd just be like drama of someone being like I don't even know so like, that makes sense where it's like yeah, everyone's kind of grouped up and you're expected to all do the same thing, but it actually makes no sense when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I honestly think like every person that I run with in my group is so different and everyone has like different strengths. And if you're like trying to work on being like working with someone else that has different strengths, you're not working, you're not doing what's best for you. So I think now I've realized that I just need to do what's like best for, for me in my training and my coach knows that. So if I wake up one day, and I'm like sore or something I'll either run slow or cross train for example and then but if I was with my old coach I would have gone to training and the group would have been there they would have been doing like a 50 minute run at like six minute pace and I would have just gone along with it because I was young and I was like oh that's what I need to do to be good so I guess that's been part of the learning experience as well. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Koros. I'm sure most of you are already familiar with Koros if you are in the running world because so many people use their GPS sport watches. I specifically use the Koros Pace 2, a GPS premium sport watch. It is incredible. I always get asked what watch people should buy, especially if they're like upgrading from just a little standard watch and they want to go into the GPS category. And the Pace 2 from Koros is absolutely phenomenal especially for beginners because it's so easy to use you just press two buttons and then you're off and running both the watch and the app are really easy to use because syncing the watch from the app to strava is automatic and instant for me the biggest pull though is the battery life i've worn so many gps watches and the battery is always an issue but the koros watch is incredible i don't know how they do it but you can go days without charging this watch which is amazing because there's, there's nothing worse than when you're about to go head out for your run and your watch isn't charged and then you have to wait to go out on your run. The fit is also amazing. It's really lightweight and it's just, you can tell it's really good quality. You can't feel it on your wrist at all and it just looks really stylish. Like I said, I recommend anyone to get the Pace 2 specifically. It is so incredible, especially for track workouts, easy runs. There's a bunch of cross training options. I cannot recommend it enough. Right now, go to Koros.com and use code COLDBREW for a free accessory with a watch purchase. Just add the accessory like a band, a charger, or a piece of apparel to the cart before checking out and apply the code COLDBREW to get that accessory for free. The link is in the show notes. Remember, just Koros.com and use code COLDBREW for that free accessory. Now let's get back into today's episode. Yeah, do you have people to train with now? Like, are you working out with people all the time? Um, so like once a year I go to Australia, um, to be with my group, like December to March usually. Um, and then I have like training partners for the workouts and then sometimes we meet for a run or just meet like on random days for easy runs or I just do it by myself. And then, um, when I'm in the UK, my partner, Adam, he runs, um, the marathon as well. So he helps me out, um, like with workouts and stuff if I'm going like into a big competition. Um, but if not then I just try and like jump on the back of his group that he has in the UK um he's got like a bunch of guys that he trains with so sometimes some of them will do a bit of my workout and then a bit of theirs or so at least got people to like warm up and cool down with and then I do all my easy runs with Adam so that's cool um but yeah <laughs> oh my gosh that's that would be it. that would literally be crazy like that amount of volume but then having to coordinate and then run with guys <laughs> 
<laughs> but what I mean, whatever works, like, I mean, if guys are willing to do the workout with you, that's great. So, yeah, like sometimes they don't, obviously they do their own thing, but I mean, yeah, sometimes I can just link up with them or do, yeah, I do do a lot of training alone though, as well. Like when my group's not in the UK um, or they're doing track stuff right now. So, and I'm doing marathon stuff. Um, so obviously I, I'm doing training with Adam right now, but um, if I was in the UK, I'd probably be doing everything like the workouts alone, unless like Adam comes on the bike or something. But yeah, I think it, it definitely helps like make you tough, especially in the marathon when you get dropped or you're by yourself. I think it like at Boston Marathon after mile 12, I didn't see another person to mile 25 and I was just running alone. But I was like, oh, I've done this a million times in training, but it was obviously like really hard anyway. But <laughs> yeah. So what do you, what do you think about when you're running for that long, that hard by yourself? Um, in Boston, I was just like, oh, this is grim. <laughs> I was like, I gotta. <laughs> Boston's hard like that course is not forgiving either I was like not expecting it either I thought because obviously the field was like so there was like a massive depth of runners like American runners and African runners and I thought we'd stay together for a little bit longer than we did um but I think mile three was like the Africans ran like 450 or something for mile three and obviously I did not run 450 I ran like 507 and I got dropped um but even like mile three like running 507 that was just crazy I've never done that before and then yeah I wasn't expecting it to break up so quick so when it did it was kind of like first of all shock I was like okay I'm running by myself in Boston Marathon and I've got yeah like 20 miles to go um <laughs> oh my god but and then I was just trying to just not slow down really I was just like trying to get to each drink station and just focus on the next point I was hoping that I was going to catch some Africans that had like gone off too hard but it took me to like mile 25 to catch this Ethiopian woman and she still sprinted past me the last hundred meters so that was yeah that was like not fun but yeah Jeez. what are you thinking about though like what are you telling like are you you know repeating positive mantras or are you just saying get me to the next water station like what is literally what is going through your head I was yeah I was literally just trying to remember like the points of the course I was like oh this is the point where there's a hill or like I was just trying to think about the next thing that was coming up and I didn't want to turn around. I knew there'd probably be a group behind me at that point because um, like no one passed me, but I knew there was like a bunch of good Americans. So I was like, they're, they're just like right behind me. So I kept telling myself like, don't slow down because they're going to come past you in a minute. And then, yeah, luckily no one came past me, but um, I was just trying, yeah, just to get to the next point. Yeah. Did, did you like the course? Um, I did actually. It was it was harder than I thought though, definitely. Like I saw the course a couple of days before we drove around it and I saw the hills and I thought like, yeah, they're big hills, but there was kind of like downhill after the big hill. So I thought, you know, break it up and make it you could recover on the downhill, but when you're actually like running it, you can't recover on the downhill because <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like you're going downhill, but you can already see the next hill ahead. So it was just like up and down I couldn't get in the rhythm at all so that was hard for me because I like to get in the rhythm and just switch off but I felt at Boston like it was constantly like I couldn't get in any kind of rhythm or anything so yeah it was hard oh my gosh yeah I haven't I mean I've literally only run the Chicago marathon I'm not a marathoner but everyone asks me if I'm like if I ever want to do Boston and like I say maybe but then I hear things like that and I'm like I don't know guys I don't know like <laughs> Because, like, Chicago is flat. I mean, because you ran London Marathon too, right? And that yeah. one I've heard is really flat as well. 
yeah it's, it's yeah it's flat now I look at London Marathon I'm like it's definitely flat compared to Boston like no hills in London but yeah yeah I, I mean Boston was so cool though because like the whole weekend and the experience of doing it was like I'm definitely glad I did it because it was a really cool experience to run it and I think like I always wanted to do all six majors so now I've done Boston I'm like oh I don't have to do that again <laughs> yeah, I was gonna um, ask are you gonna do it again or no I think I probably would do it again but not maybe not next year <laughs> yeah maybe skip a year yeah and then okay so you ran 223 I saw in the London Marathon that's like actually insane that's like <laughs> what I don't even you probably don't know either what mile pace is that uh I think 525 <gasps> maybe oh my gosh 525. <laughs> I like I actually can't even fathom running that fast for 26 miles I like I don't know how you guys do it. I marathoners that's always intrigued me because I physically don't know how you can do that for 26 miles. I can't even do that. Like in my peak, I couldn't even do that for like three. That's actually insane, but very impressive. Would you say that that marathon was your best that you've had so far? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, definitely. I felt, I think it was the one where I felt the best and yeah, I feel like it was the best one I've done so far what do you think you have in you like what what's what's the main goal for the marathon uh I feel like I can definitely run faster um I don't know how fast though like every time I didn't I don't know like if you had said to me would I run 223 last year at the start of the year I probably would have said no and then as I was training for it I was seeing like the times in training and I was like oh I think I could run 223 so it just kind of like came from the results I was seeing in training so I think the next time every time I train for a marathon I feel like the build-up gets easier as in like the workouts are easier like I don't find the volume that hard anymore so I think obviously I'll reach a limit eventually but I feel like every time at the moment I'm getting a little bit better I just got to make sure like I don't get injured or fatigued um a Boston build-up was a little bit different because instead of running like fast workouts we were doing a lot of hills because obviously to get ready for the hills so I felt like that build-up was a lot harder on my legs just because yeah all the like threshold runs we were doing were like 10 miles on hills and that was something I've never done before so that was that was different but yeah I don't know I think next time I train for like a flat fast marathon just see how the training goes and then decide based on that really yeah I don't know yeah I mean you don't need to know like you said I feel like it just comes along with the training yeah yeah say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill what is the what is the goal for Eugene? Yeah, the goal. Uh, so like 2017, I did the World Champs and I was 13th. Um, so I'd love to be better than that, basically. Like if I can improve on 13th in 2017, I think that's a good result. Um, and I went to Doha in 2019 um, for the marathon, but it was like, oh my, I can. <laughs> it was yeah, it was terrible. Like it was, it was just like something else. So I don't think I ran for an hour there and I was pretty proud of that. Like I made it to about nine miles in an hour. 
and I'm just wait like, how many people how many people ended up dropping out of that one I think uh like over 80 percent of the field or something dropped out I think there was only like 40 finishes and there was like 85 starters or something it was literally crazy people were just dropping out like left right and center um so I don't really I look back at that as just kind of like a learning experience I mean I did I that the was training for everyone Doha was a learning was, experience or the marathoners I mean yeah like the training going into that was really good though so I had like a really good like build up and I actually ran a half marathon PB like going into that training so even though I didn't have a good race and I didn't finish, I still got like a half marathon PB in the build up. And I think that build up made me a lot better for the next marathon that I ended up running. So even though like it was a disaster at the time, <laughs> now it's like, <laughs> I still, I still got a bit better from that build up. So even though like some marathons I've done haven't gone well, like every build up, I get like a little bit of confidence from something. So um, just trying to, yeah, every time like build up on it really. What was the hardest so, yeah. marathon you ran? Would you say Doha? Yeah, honestly, like, well, obviously I didn't run the marathon. I only ran. <laughs> okay, <like>. well, <laughs> attempt But that's how hard it was. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, that was, yeah, it was so hard. It was just so hot. And it was like, honestly, like running in the steam room. Like if you go in a steam room and then try and run, that's how I would describe it. It was, it was horrible. <laughs> I, first of all, I can't even sit in a steam room. Like you will not catch me doing hot yoga. I can't breathe in there. Yeah, like, I, I would much rather be in like dry heat than yeah humid. I mean, I feel like that's everyone basically because who wants to suffocate with humidity? But oh my goodness, I I mean it makes sense. And like marathon runners aren't ones to drop out, especially like the world championships. So to see that many people drop out, I feel like everyone just had to know that it was so bad. Like everyone watching knew like that it was just terrible conditions. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't even like fun at all. Like the whole experience was not fun. Like I look back now and I'm like that was just horrible. <laughs> um uh yeah I wish I could erase that experience from my memory. But <laughs> yeah the training like I said the training went really well going into it. So I at least got I think at the end of that year is why I ran another half marathon in Japan which I won. So that was like something else that came out after it. So I can look back and say, like, yeah, well, at least the training went well, and I didn't get injured or something like that. So yeah, and you did it. You did the training for something, just not exactly. what it was intentionally for. <laughs> it was still banked, but yeah, yeah, that was not fun. So I'm hoping like Eugene will be a lot better experience than that. Um, so yeah, if I can improve on where I came in London, then I'll be I'll be happy. Yeah. Okay, I was also reading somewhere that you kind of got gypped out of the Olympics last year. <laughs> Can you, okay, yeah. just quickly, like, you can you just take us through, I guess, because, like, the process is just so different than the States, but, like, what happened? Yeah, so we had, like, a, the selection process was, um, um, first of all, we had to run the qualifying time, which was under 229.30, um, and in 2019, I ran 225.28, 28, I think it was, so I'd qualified with that time and then basically in 2020 they said there was going to be a trials which was going to be at the London Marathon um and anyone who had the time it was the top two across the line and then the third spot's always like discretion so if someone's like ill or injured or can't race the selectors can put someone in um but obviously that got cancelled because of coronavirus um so then they told us there was going to be a separate trials race that they were going to put on in like a closed off location um, no spectators it was just going to be loops of like a 7k loop or something and everyone had to go and uh yeah I kicked up an injury 
like probably about eight weeks before the start of the the trials was when it was meant to start in 2021 so it was a whole year later um and basically the British Athletic medical team told me um not to race because they were like oh you're in a good position you're second fastest um the other girl Jess she'd run 225 um I think she'd run 20 or something so she was 10 seconds faster than me we both run 225 the next best person was like 227 so like two minutes behind basically uh so they were like you're in a good position don't do the trials don't risk coming back from your injury too fast you'll probably qualify um on the discretionary spot and also if like two people didn't cross the line with the time the top two then there would have been like a third um two spots available um anyway the trials came around and uh, the girl who um, won the trials, she had the time. Um, so she was automatic. Steph Davis, she'd run 227. She finished, she won the race and she had um, qualified automatically. But then after her, there was no one with the time. Like the other, the second and third spot hadn't run the time. They were like 230 or 231. Um, so there was two spots open. Um, and then the selection meeting happened and I just got a call like the day after saying, oh, we haven't selected you because we think you're like too high risk of, injury if we take you so they basically selected the other girl who was a minute and a half slower than my time um and they put her in the third spot and I was kind of just like what because one they told me like not to do the trials because they said to like not rush back from my injury obviously the trials are in March as well and the Olympics are in August so it had like ages um and yeah then to find out they put someone else in who was also missed the trials because she was also in like injured or coming back from an injury or something um but they put her in and she was like a minute and a half slower than me I was just like I felt like disgusted basically I was like I was so confused I was like why how has this happened like I honestly didn't understand um but yeah it happened so <laughs> I was just uh I'm like in shock of... I'm literally in shock how does that even happen though like can you fight that yeah, I did, but they told me on the phone, like, the guy who phoned me up, he told me, like, I could appeal, but he was like, we're going to announce the team tomorrow morning at 9am, so I was like, I was on the phone to my coach, and at the time, I didn't know that they'd selected the other two girls, um, I thought, I, in my head, I thought the only logical solution was that they just selected the girl that won the trial, because she had the time, so I was like, okay, they're just going to take one marathon runner, the other two didn't run the trials either, so we're all coming back from an injury. They obviously decided not to take anyone else. And then when I found out they selected the other two, um, I was just like so confused. But yeah, I did appeal um, and they got like a, a lawyer involved and stuff. But basically the British Athletic Selection Policy at the end basically states that their decision is kind of final and you can't really do anything about it. So there was really nothing. But plus they'd already named the other two. Like they'd already selected them so you can't you can't really like tell someone oh you can't be like oh the next day oh sorry you're not going to the olympics anymore you know we've made a mistake like that's obviously a bit unfair on their part as well it's not their fault that they got selected like yeah. obviously if someone phoned me up tomorrow and said you're selected for the olympics do you want to go i'd be like yeah <laughs> um, any day. like they would be shocked though too to hear that they were going and not you yeah like i said though like I don't know like the whole it was just so confusing to me like how they said that it was because of my injury when the other two also missed the trials due to injury as well so we were all missing the trials due to injury so how can they say like one person's more injured than the other like I was running at the time as well on the day of the trials I did like a 90 minute run 
and my coach phoned up British Athletics and was like this is her training she's been like doing 90 minute runs like she's building back up like we'll be in a good place for August and they were like they still obviously didn't pay any attention to that so yeah (laughs) that that happened so then when you ran the London Marathon did like have they ever apologized I mean I don't know if they give apologies but like have they ever like said anything to you yeah like um they have actually been pretty good to be honest since then like obviously at the time I was like oh I'm not speaking to anyone from British athletics ever again I didn't (laughs) honestly I said to my mom like I was like I never want to run for GB ever again like I'll just do marathon majors like it's way more fun for me get paid more like why would I run for GB you don't get paid like I I don't want to represent them anymore but now like I look back and I think that happened and obviously I don't think I still don't think it was the right decision but it's just what happened and I can't do anything about it so when I did London I was all focused on that and I just completely like shut everything out and I was like gonna train so hard for London Marathon and I'm gonna make that like my Olympics and yeah I'm glad that I got a good result at the end of it because I've worked really hard for that so it did work out well in the end (laughs) and then for Worlds they're like all right it's your time to shine now (laughs) will you come join our team well that was the thing so like the London Marathon was um they announced literally like two weeks before that the top British finisher with the time was going to be like automatic qualifier for Worlds so like they didn't have a choice but they had to select me because London (laughs) (laughs) I was the first British finisher at London Marathon so that was like an automatic for Worlds um so yeah that was that was like easy I didn't there was no choice they didn't have to select me for that it was just like automatic so I'm pretty sure you would have been selected off of your 223 anyways so if not that would have been extremely weird and bad on their part but I'm glad <laughs> that things are better that is really weird though it's like such a bummer situation to happen but I mean it, it does seem like you're on like the rise and the next Olympics are coming up honestly soon or then I feel like I don't know it I feel like the Olympics are just coming up so quickly <laughs> nowadays probably just because we missed a year but is that like the goal just to run the next olympics now i guess um honestly like i kind of when that whole experience happened i was like oh the olympics is just i've cursed with the olympics because in 2016 my first marathon i missed the qualifying for the olympics as well like i tried to qualify and i ran the iaaf time but at the time british athletics had a faster qualifying time um so even though I was third fastest um they didn't take me even though like I had I had the world athletics time but um British athletics made their times harder so there was three spots and um I obviously didn't make the third spot even though I was the third fastest so I feel like I am cursed with the Olympics (laughs) so third time's the charm third time's the charm yeah I just think like I'm not placing a lot of emphasis on it anymore because I honestly do enjoy like running marathon majors like running Boston was so fun like running London was so fun like even if I went my whole career now and I like I said just did marathon majors I'd be like so happy like they are really fun (laughs) um so I think it is different than obviously on the track like track runners it's more like about the champs whereas I feel like for marathon runners there's so many other like cool opportunities so yeah I've kind of just like gonna go through every year now trying to just run marathon majors and see see what else happens on the way 
Yeah, it's crazy to think about the marathon, how like the the majors are almost bigger than the Olympics. Like the Olympics, it's like, yes. a, it's like a second thought to the majors every year, which is interesting. I mean, and there's way more money. So, I mean, I agree. I'm like, why, if I was a marathoner, why would I focus on the Olympics when I can focus on, you know, making a bunch of money at the majors? So exactly. And they are really fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I don't want to take too much of your time, but we do have some listener questions that we can go through quickly okay. to um, end the episode, but Eric asked, what's your, what's your favorite history book you've ever read? You said you majored in history. Yeah, uh, my favorite history book. Uh, I don't know if it's my favorite, but one that like sticks out to me was when I was studying history, I was on the underground in London and I was reading like Hitler's Mein Kampf on the train, <laughs> um, which is basically his book about, yeah, how he says what he's going to do. Um, when, yeah when he was in power and I was just remember reading it on the train and honestly the looks that I was getting was so funny um so that was that was pretty funny I don't know what my favorite one would be though um I don't read that much history books anymore I'm kind of like yeah I've done uni so I'm like done with history but I do still find it interesting I just don't read a lot about it anymore yeah so would you ever go into like a history profession but you also have your own coaching business now too yeah, I don't know. I think I did history because at the time, like, I was good at it at, at college. I got, like, good grades and I was, I didn't want to do something sport-related because I just found, like, history, like, fascinating. So I kind of wanted to do something else except for sport. So um, that's why I did it, really. But I don't know if I'll do anything with it for a career <laughs> or not. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that makes sense. How do you balance, like, being a pro marathoner and having your own business? um honestly like my boyfriend Adam is a massive help with the business he pretty much does everything uh, no he I do help out I do help out a lot um but he is like yeah he honestly couldn't do it without him so yeah geez I think I need a boyfriend to help me with my business that's what I'm gonna start putting on my dating profile I'll be like need someone to help me with my business endeavors that sounds nice <laughs> Um, but I mean, it's impressive nonetheless. I can't even imagine like having extracurriculars if I was a pro marathoner. So <laughs> kudos to Thanks. you. Um, what are some pre-race superstitions that you have? Uh, I don't know. I like to always do like, before a marathon, I always do the same like distance of runs. Like the week out, I always do the same structure. Like the whole week out before, I do the same every time since the first marathon that I've done um so I guess that's kind of a superstition if it was a half or a 10k though I wouldn't I wouldn't have that superstition it's just for a marathon because I know like I feel fresh on the day if I do that week out so I feel like it's worked so far so I don't want to change it so I'm like well I'm just gonna keep rolling with that now for now anyway yeah I mean well if you're if you're racing for 15 minutes it's a lot different than two hours and 25 <laughs> minutes so I can see why the lead up would need to be a little bit more precise then <laughs> it's very precise like literally from the monday to the, the saturday like i do exactly the same as i've done from my first marathon now because even like the same session on the tuesday like get the massage on the same day like everything is exactly the same because like i said i know like that it's worked before so i don't want to i'm scared to change it <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense do you have any hobbies <laughs> um honestly I don't really have time <laughs> no. uh, I don't no, even know why um, I asked this question to anyone because it's I completely understand that no one has time to do anything else so I don't even know why I continue to ask it even though people ask it I'm like I already know what the answer is going to be and I feel bad for putting you guys on the spot because I, I know what it's like to be a 
elite runner it just takes up a lot of time but <laughs> yeah I feel like um I should maybe get some hobbies no I I like going to like new cafes and stuff like I guess that's <laughs> that's not really a hobby though just like to do on a training camp when yeah I need coffee I'm just like let's go to a different one today <laughs> <laughs> that's like just day in life of a, of a runner oh let's try this yeah. coffee shop today literally that is exactly what we do every day what's your coffee order what's your like go-to uh I like a cortado um they don't do them very much in the U.S. like what's a cortado it's like two shots of espresso and not as much milk so it's do you know what a flat white is yeah I know what a flat white it's basically it's basically like a half of a flat white like a smaller flat white so stronger coffee less milk less foam I just like it because I can literally drink that and go for a run pretty much straight away. Whereas if I was to have like a latte or a flat white, I'd, all the milk would just go around in my stomach. So I know I always get cortado. Yeah. I like, I like uh, strong coffee. I feel like I would like that too. I, yeah, they're good. I like flat whites, but, and like, I like lattes, but I almost have to like be ready to kind of be in a coma after I drink them, which is like the opposite yeah. of what you want out of coffee most of the time. That's why I drink cold brew because it's like, it's lighter you know the flat whites are yeah. cheap, though. I honestly I do not like cold coffee like <gasps> I came everyone in the U.S. drinks cold or like iced coffee and I just I just don't like it I have to have it hot even if it's yeah really hot outside I'll still order a hot coffee it's so oh weird my gosh. I was actually on TikTok the other day and it was people said that um in Europe they don't drink cold coffee and I was like I don't think I can go to Europe anymore now <laughs> like I don't think I can go to any country because they don't have cold brew I don't know what I would do geez yeah we we don't really we don't really have it at all I mean at Starbucks I think you probably could get it but it's not really like as popular (laughs) oh they've got Starbucks over there all right I'll I'll hit up countries um (laughs) as long as I can get my cold brew okay well um the last question I have for you is do you have any advice to your younger self (laughs) um don't be a psycho no uh I feel like like I said before, I mean, I look back at my younger junior career and I see like all the success I have, but I also see all the injuries. So it's like a mix, really. I'm like, oh, if I didn't do that, then would I have had the success? Probably not. But then I would have had less injuries. But then would I be where I am now? So I kind of look back at it as like an experience, one that I don't want to relive, but one that I'm happy that I lived through. <laughs> And I think, like, I'm just happy that I came through the other side, but I would not recommend running 100 miles a week, age 15, to anyone listening to this. <laughs> I think, like, I honestly think, like, cross training has helped me a lot recently um, in the last few years, just being able to keep, like, a good volume of training, but also offload my legs. So if I was younger, I would say do more cross training. If I want to train, like, cross train instead of run, because it's less pounding on your legs. You still get the same cardiovascular benefit and I honestly feel like better from doing a lot of cross training so when I ran to 223 I did like way less double runs and way more cross training so I think like that's definitely helped me a lot sweet well I'll take notes and make sure not to run 100 miles a week um (laughs) yeah when I was 15 which I definitely wasn't doing but to anyone listening which I don't know how many of the 15 year olds that I know are running 100 miles a week but if you are maybe cut that out (laughs) (laughs) definitely amazing well I'm excited to see how you do in Eugene good luck I wish I was going I'm not going to Worlds sadly Uh I wish I could go you know represent my and cheer on people in my alma mater city whatever it's called um but good luck I'll watch online 
where can like, people follow you at on like socials and stuff um on instagram probably uh that's the only thing that i'm really like on at the moment <laughs> i don't i am on twitter but i honestly don't use it so oh I, I have tiktok as well but mainly instagram i don't really post very much on tiktok either I just <laughs> look at the videos honestly waste like so much time on tiktok just scrolling through videos but yeah instagram mainly just Amazing. at charlotte purdy sweet yeah. well it's all linked in the show notes all right thanks for joining us today to close out the episode can we get a good old peace out fellas uh yep peace out fellas <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the next season of commas over cold brew i hope you guys enjoyed it getting to know charlotte a little better and that we're all going to be rooting for her at the world champs later this month don't forget to rate and review on apple podcasts it's a free way to support and it means the world to me Follow us on Instagram at Convos Over Cold Brew Pod if you want to be up to date and submit listener questions for the next episode. Thank you guys so much. I'm so excited for this next season of the podcast. I'll catch you all next week. Peace out, fellas. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.